What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Celtics fifth quarter. We're here today with a Celtics and Heat preview. I'm joined again by my buddy Owen. Game one is tomorrow at 6.30 on ESPN. Just a couple side notes before we start this. Celtics beat the Heat 2-1 to one in the regular season series, so we know it's going to be a close series throughout. They played each other very close in the regular season. Owen, what's your point of emphasis going into the series? Uh, the Celtics are the better team in this series for sure. Um, Miami's extremely deep, and I think that will uh, prove to be something that helps them get some wins in the series. Um, a lot of their guys play with chips on their shoulders, including Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, guys that have been undrafted in the past. Uh, so they play extremely hard, as hard as Toronto played us. Yeah, it's going to be a great series. Yeah, he played very hard. They also are a much better shooting team. They're shooting 38% from three in the playoffs, which is better than the Celtics and much better than the Raptors. So the defensive scheme for the Celtics definitely has to change. I know I've mentioned this before in my previous podcast, but the Celtics cannot go into this series with the same defensive scheme as they had against Toronto. They got to cover the shooters. You can't keep, you can't give them open threes because Miami will definitely make you pay. Uh, they're going to give you a battle on the defensive end, even though they might not be as good as Toronto on the defensive end. They're still going to give it their all. They have great defenders and guys like Jimmy Butler, Andre Iguodala. But another big thing is that the Heat are more rested than the Celtics. They got an extra three days of rest, which can be a good and a bad thing that they might be a little bit out of rhythm, but they're definitely more rested than a Celtics team that played 50 minutes in game six and 40 minutes in game seven just a couple days ago. Yeah, something to look for is whether Miami is going to be phased with uh, rest or rust. Um, having those those days off could prove to be beneficial for the Heat, but for certain teams, it doesn't help them. Yeah, a team like Miami, where they're built mostly off shooters, sometimes that can come back to bite you just because you want to stay in rhythm. But who knows? We'll see what's going to happen in Game 1. I'm expected to see a dog fight throughout this entire series. But the, another big thing, Gordon Hayward. He's coming back in this series. They announced that he's going to play in this series at some point. He's already ruled out for game one, so don't expect him to see him tomorrow night. But eyeing his return on game two, maybe game three. And I'm interested to see what the Celtics do with that, whether or not he comes in and plays his normal minutes right away, whether he might even come off the bench at first. But I'm interested to see, interested to see what Brad does with Gordon Hayward when he returns. I would love to see the Celtics bring Hayward off the bench. I think keeping Marcus Smart in the starting lineup is a great idea for the Celtics. Uh, I think Smart starting the game, as we've seen in some of the games against Toronto, he came out firing. Uh, He goes on these streaks where he'll hit uh, like three, four, three-pointers in a row. So I think they look to keep him in the starting lineup and bring Hayward off the bench, and it'll give you that scoring punch that you lacked in the series against Toronto. You didn't really have that main score. Brad Wanamaker struggled at times against the Raptors. Uh, Robert Williams is fantastic for the Celtics off the bench, uh, but he's not known for his scoring. So I think a guy like Gordon Hayward coming off the bench would be huge for the Celtics in this series. And to me, the thing that's even bigger than who starts the game is who finishes the game. What five are you going to have out there to end the game? And that was always the thing with the Celtics when they were fully healthy. I was always curious to see how Brad managed the end of the game because you're obviously going to have Kemba, Jalen and Jason Tatum out on the court at the end of the game. But those other three are going to be battling for those two spots. And obviously you want Marcus in there for his defense. You want Tyson there for his size. But you want Gordon Hayward in there too because he's a very versatile player. So I'm interested to see if Brad goes with a lot of small ball and plays those five without Tice. That that might be something he rolls with later in this series. But definitely something that is going to be something to watch. 
Yeah, we know how great Daniel Tice has been uh, throughout the playoffs. And honestly, since the Celtics arrived at the bubble, I still think that Hayward is in our top five players. I think that they'd look to finish the game uh, with Hayward, Kemba, Tatum, Brown, Smart. It's going to be interesting to see whether or not that the Celtics playing small once they do get Gordon back is going to force Miami to play small or if they're going to keep Bam on the floor. Um, they could look to finish the game with Tice if they keep Bam out there. But if, if Miami realizes that they're going to have to play small to match the Celtics' uh, height or lack thereof, we'll see if uh, Bam can stay on the floor for them. Brian, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think Bam isn't necessarily the biggest of bigs, but he's very strong. And same, same going for Daniel Tice on the other end, that neither of them are overly big. So you can kind of get away with small ball against those guys. I think Jason Tatum could potentially match up against Bam or even Jalen Brown, but that is definitely a mismatch. And I think in end-of-the-game situations, Brad's going to save his timeouts and he's going to use them to be able to make defensive substitutions and offensive substitutions. It's crazy to say that Marcus Smart probably would be subbed out on an offensive opportunity, even though he was one of our best offensive players against the Raptors. But that, that just shows how deep this Celtics team is on offense. Yeah, I think Marcus Smart's going to be on the floor most of the time for the Celtics in the series because they're going to have to find guys that can cover Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero. All those guys can kill you from the three-point line. Um, and obviously, we know Brown and Tatum are great defenders. Uh, Kemba struggled mightily against the Raptors on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so I think Marcus Smart's going to be on the floor more times than he's not. I think a lot of us are expecting that. Absolutely. I think that... He'll probably still get 35-plus minutes in the series throughout, but definitely interesting to see what how those rotations go for the Celtics. I think it gives them an advantage now that you don't have to play guys like Semi Ojale, who I have grown a slight hatred for because his shot selection really bothers me. But we won't, we won't rant about Semi Ojale because I'm hoping to not see him in this series. Let, let's dive deep into like these rosters now. Let's start with the Heat. They're starting five. Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler – Jay Crowder and Bam Adebayo, those are the five they usually roll with. What, what are your thoughts on them? I think that's a, as scary a starting lineup as you have in this league. Uh, they got their two all-stars, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Clearly, Jimmy is the heart and soul of that team. Uh, from the day he arrived in Miami, he brought a whole different attitude and culture change. Uh, they weren't even in the playoffs last year, and he completely took them and elevated everyone on that team. Um, sometimes people think he rubs teammates the wrong way. I think I think he just knows how to play basketball and he gets the most out of his teammates. Yeah, in terms of the other guys in their starting lineup, Duncan Robinson, shout out the state of Maine. He's from Maine, uh, played high school ball in Massachusetts, also attended Division Three Williams College in Massachusetts before transferring to uh, Michigan. Yeah, so Duncan Robinson, unbelievable three-point shooter. I'm pretty sure he won the three-point contest this year. So yeah, they, they have guys, Jay Crowder, former Celtic, tough-nosed player. Him and Butler played together at Marquette. Yeah, and there are other guys here. Goran Dragic has been an all-star before. He's made all-NBA. He didn't start during the regular season. You saw Kendrick Nunn there, but since they got to the playoffs, they've had to start their veteran Dragic. Um, What do you think about their bench, Brian? I know guys like Tyler Hero and Iguodala can provide a mismatch for the Celtics. What do you think about that? Their bench is one of the deepest, if not the deepest, bench in the NBA. Guys like Tyler Hero can come off the bench and get you 20, 25, almost 30 points in any given night. Andre Iguodala is one of the best veterans in the NBA, won multiple championships before. He's one of the best defenders on the perimeter. Definitely a scary guy to have off the bench. Kendrick Nunn finished second in Rookie of the Year voting this year. He's a great undrafted rookie. He can score the ball. He can pass the ball. 
definitely a great guy to have come off the have come off the bench. Started the whole year, so he shows he can play. Kelly Olynyk, former Celtics player, former assassin for the Celtics. I will never forget his Game 7 performance against the Wizards. That was one of the greatest performances. Not really, but it was one of the greatest performances of all time for the Celtics. <laughs> Derek Jones, last guy who will probably see some minutes on their bench. Got crazy vertical, crazy athleticism. He doesn't scare me as much, but they, they can go with a 10-man rotation and be fine. Yeah, Kelly, Kelly Olenek is a guy that would drive me nuts when he was on the Celtics. Uh, he, his career high in points is 32 against the Celtics in his first game playing them back in 2017. So he always has a chip on his shoulder when he's going up against us. Uh, I'm sure Jay also has some animosity towards the Celtics. He wasn't so keen on them getting Gordon Hayward. Uh, and then he got shipped out later that summer for Kyrie Irving back part of that trade. Um, so I think the combination of Crowder and Olenek definitely have something to prove in this series. Yeah, for sure. And you mix those great bench pieces with the starters, like we mentioned, and the Heat are just one of the deepest teams. I'm going to keep saying that. And the Celtics bench really has to step it up this series if you want to compete with the Heat. Our bench has to play better. And I, obviously the Gordon Hayward coming back helps the bench out a little bit, but our, our bench play definitely has to play better. Guys like... Grant Williams are probably going to get a lot of minutes this series, and I, I'm going to need him to play very well. Yeah, the best player off the bench for the Celtics against Toronto was Robert Williams. Brian, do we think we're going to see more Robert Williams or Ennis Cantor in this series? I kind of mentioned this in my last podcast that I thought this was going to be more of a Grant Williams series, as I just mentioned. But I think you, you'll still see Robert Williams and Ennis Cantor get some minutes. But I think that you're going to see the Celtics go a lot of small ball with Grant Williams at the five. Obviously, Daniel Tice is going to get his minutes, but I would expect to see some Grant Williams five minutes, like a lot of them, probably almost 20 a game, and sprinkle that in with a couple of Robert Williams minutes. If you need some spark plug, if you need some offensive rebounds and some points, you might throw in Ennis Cantor. But I think you're really going to see a lot of Grant Williams as opposed to how we saw Robert Williams in the Raptors series. Yeah, and don't like Grant Williams missing those two free throws at the end of game seven against the Raptors. Um make you think anything less of him as a player. He's a rookie, but he is wise beyond his years. He's a two-time SEC player of the year. He can play in big spots. I think, yeah, 20 minutes per game for him. I have no problem with that as a Celtics fan. I think Brad Stevens trusts him. Uh, I think he can expect to play him, and he gives you some uh, versatility on the defensive end. Doesn't give you a ton on offense, but when he does, you love that. Yeah, Grant did miss those two free throws at the end of the game. But he played phenomenal defense down the stretch. The man didn't play at all in the first three quarters. He was plugged in there in Game 7 with five minutes left in the game, which shows you how much confidence Brad has in Grant Williams, but also how confident Grant Williams is in himself that he can play great defense on anybody. I mean, he locked up Fred Van Vliet, who is much quicker than he is. So I think Grant Williams deserves to play. He's shown that he can play under stressful situations and crunch time minutes. So I would expect to see a lot of Grant Williams in this series. So I'd like to dive into my X-Factors for this series. Uh, my Miami Heat X-Factor, as I mentioned a lot earlier, is Kelly Olenek. Uh, he's going to come out firing. Um, they're going to play him a decent amount, I can imagine. Uh, but yeah, for the Celtics, I think their X-Factor has to be Daniel Tice. He played unbelievable against Toronto. I was super impressed with him, and I continue to get more and more impressed every time he takes the floor. Uh, what a find by Danny Ainge to bring him from overseas. I think that he's going to have to play some huge minutes. As we mentioned, they're going to play small. He's a, he's a small center for sure. Um, but I think he's going to match up well against a guy like a Bam Adebayo. Uh, he's going to have to give us some great minutes offensively and defensively. Yeah, I agree with the Daniel Tice pick. 
Not sure if I believe Kelly Olenek's their X-Factor. guy for them, I think, is really more of their X-Factor is Goran Dragic. It feels like every time we play the Heat, Goran Dragic just tears us apart. I remember, I forget what commentator it was, but someone called him the Slovenian sniper when they were playing the Celtics. And that's, so that's my new, that's my nickname for him now. I call him the Slovenian sniper. He, he genuinely scares me. He, I feel like he never misses against the Celtics. I can see Goran Dragic having himself a huge series, especially because he's probably going to have Kemba Walker on him the whole time. So I can see Miami trying to run the offense through him just because they, teams like to exploit Kemba Walker's uh, size. So Goran Dragic definitely scares me. Another guy, Duncan Robinson, also scares me just because Celtics have a tendency to leave guys open, wide open, wide open in the corner. And Duncan Robinson is almost always in the corner. So you can't leave a guy like Duncan Robinson open in the corner because that he's going he's gonna to make his threes. I think he shot over 40% from three this year. As you've mentioned in your previous podcast and the recaps uh, of the Toronto games, Kemba did not play well last series. Do you think that Miami will replicate what Toronto did uh, to match up against Kemba in a defensive scheme? Are they going to take him out of the game like Toronto did? Or what do you think Miami's going to look to do? Yeah, Toronto runs a, a lot of different types of defenses. They ran the box. They ran the 2-1-2 two, two, two zone. They ran a 2-3 zone. They ran all types of defenses. And their, their main goal out of that was to try to eliminate Kemba Walker, try to force guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to win the game for the Celtics, which they eventually did do. But I, I don't see Miami coming in with that kind of uh, elaborate defensive scheme like Toronto had. I think Miami's a good defensive team, but I think they're more of indiv- individually better than team better defense, that guys like Jimmy Butler can lock up somebody on any given night. Same with Iguodala. Even Jay Crowder's a really good defender. But as a team, they don't play collectively as well as Toronto does on defense. So I don't see them being able to take away Kemba Walker like Toronto was able to. Obviously, Kemba Walker didn't shoot well, and I think that was a main reason for why he struggled in the Toronto series. So I, I would expect Kemba Walker to shoot the ball better, and I think he's going to take every opportunity against the Miami defense to get his rhythm back, to get his shot back. Yeah, I think Boston matches up great against Miami, uh, better than they would have against team like the Bucs had the Bucs advanced. Um, yeah, the Bucs just between Giannis and those guys, I think they would have put the Celtics in a in an interesting spot due to the Celtics' lack of size. But I think, yeah, on paper, the Celtics match up great with the Heat. Uh, they're going to be able to adjust if they need to. Uh, I don't think that should be an issue. Uh, Miami is, however, 8-1 and one in the playoffs. They, they've looked unbelievable. They swept Indiana in the first round. They looked like they were going to sweep Miami, uh, excuse me, Milwaukee in the second round. Milwaukee was fortunate to force a game five. Um, but yeah, Miami's looked like gangbusters all playoffs long, and hopefully we can slow them down a bit. Yeah, I think the Celtics on paper have more talent than Miami does. Uh, but you see these teams go on runs all the time in the playoffs, and it, it, it doesn't take much for a team to get cra- uh, crazy hot like the, the Heat are right now. So hopefully this time off has kind of cooled them down a little bit. Hopefully they come out a little bit rusty. But I, I would expect the Heat to give the Celtics a, a run for their money in this series for sure. So, Brian, I know we've talked quite a bit about the Miami Heat and what they're going to have to do uh, to prepare against the Boston Celtics as a team. Uh, what do you think the Celtics are going to have to do to prepare and change up their scheme? Um, they're not going to be able to play the same exact way they played against Toronto. So what do you think uh, the Celtics are going to look to do? Yeah, I mentioned before and in previous podcasts that the Celtics have to change their defensive scheme to take away the shooters. So I'm not going to go on on and on about that again. But on the offensive side of the ball, the 
as I mentioned before, the Heat play a lot of individual defense rather than team defense. You're not going to see them go into a zone as much as Toronto was. So I think the Celtics are going to have to change their offensive scheme to really attack the rim like they were doing towards the end of the Toronto series and try to find those open guys in the corner off maybe a switch off a pick and roll or if a guy blows by their defender. There's going to be open shots. There's going to be opportunities for corner threes. And I think a guy like Jalen Brown is really going to have to come up big in this series because he's gonna, he's the one who's often in the corner and finds the ball landing in his hands. And he's got to knock down his three-pointers. He shot 30% from three in the Toronto. In, in, no, he's shooting 30% from three in the playoffs. I, I'm going to need an uptake from Jalen Brown in that category. He's got to shoot the ball almost at a 40% clip, especially if he's going to be getting open threes this series. I expect the Heat to come out and try to take away Jason Tatum, try to take away Kemba Walker. I think Jalen Brown's really going to have to step up in this series. Yeah, I'd like to see Jalen Brown replicate exactly what he did in Game 5 of the Toronto series. He came out on fire and stayed on fire for the duration of the game. He pretty much won us that game. So if he can play like that, the Celtics are going to win this series with ease. Uh, He's got to be that third All-Star we need him to be. I think he got snubbed from the All-Star game this year, and he certainly proved to to be an All-Star after we saw him shut down Pascal Siakam in the last series. So look for him to do do uh, a lot of the same. You could see him on Jimmy Butler at times this series. I I think that's something we can expect. Who do you think that they're going to have as a primary defender on Jimmy in this series? I think they will probably go with Jalen Brown on Jimmy Butler just because Jalen's probably our best perimeter defender, maybe other than Marcus Smart. But I don't think they're going to put Marcus Smart on Jimmy Butler just for sizing mismatch. I think you're going to see a lot of um, Jalen Brown on Jimmy Butler. I think Tatum will match up more with Crowder, Vigadala. Tatum is a good defender, but I believe that Jalen Brown is more physical and and he matches up better with a guy like Jimmy Butler. Another thing I wanted to point out is that in previous times when Gordon Hayward has come back from an injury, Brad likes to put him into the game and kind of force feed him the ball and try to get him back into the offensive flow. And that's something I, I would like to see the Celtics avoid that I don't, I don't want them to force feed Gordon Hayward and force him to try to get his flow back because at times if he's, if he's off, then you're almost sacrificing a game to try to get Gordon Hayward back in his zone. And right now, yes, it's important to work Gordon Hayward back in. Yes, it's important for Gordon Hayward to kind of find his rhythm, but you can't sacrifice a game to try to force feed him because he is Gordon Hayward. That if Gordon Hayward comes back and he's shooting the ball poorly or is just struggling overall, I would, I would really like Brad to just take him out of the game and not just leave him in because he is Gordon Hayward because Brad is known for doing that. He leaves Gordon Hayward in when he's coming back from an injury and he is struggling. And that, that's something that I don't think you can afford to do in the Eastern Conference, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I agree. Gordon Hayward's offense needs to come naturally to him. He can't force things. He, it, it does have the potential to lose us a game um, if we demand that Hayward gets his. Kind of like Kemba in the last series, Kemba was forcing some things. He was turning the ball. Overall played sloppy. I really hope that Hayward isn't as rusty as we're expecting him to be. He's obviously going to be rusty. He got injured in game one of the Philadelphia series, so he's had some time off. But I think with the guys we have between Kemba, Marcus, Brown, Tatum – Hayward might be the fifth option in the series offensively. So I think that as long as we don't force him to get his shots and force bad shots, I think Gordon will ease his way back into a rhythm. Um, But yeah, hopefully he doesn't force any. 
Yeah, I felt confident going into the Toronto series that we could win that series solely on defense alone. And I think our defense is going to continue to win us games, but you can't rely on it as heavily as you did in the Toronto series. That Game 7, we held Toronto to 87 points, but we only scored 92 points. I don't think there's going to be a game where the Celtics can win with only 92 points against the Heat. That They're a much better and consistent offense than Toronto was. So our offense really has to step it up from the Toronto series. I think you have to put up consistently over 100 points if you want to beat the Heat in this series. And I think the Celtics offense is capable of doing that. They've shown that in many occasions before, that they are capable of being a top-five offense in this league. But I think you have to add a consistency factor to the Celtics offense. They have to find ways to get to the basket. If shots aren't falling from three, they have to find ways to get to the free-throw line, find uh, baskets inside. Obviously, there's, there's going to be nights where you're on fire from three. And that's going to be fun to watch. That's going to be awesome. But you have to find some sort of consistency in this series on the offensive end. The biggest key for the Celtics defensively is running Miami off the three-point line. Miami is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Um, they have guys that can splash from almost anywhere around the perimeter. We have to run them off the line, make them take uncomfortable shots from mid-range or drive into the basket. We can't let them get hot because once they get hot, they'll stay hot. Yeah, and one last thing I want to point out about the Miami offense is we have to get rebounds. You have to limit the offensive rebounds for Miami because I remember in the game we played them in the bubble, the third game of the series, third game of the season series with the Heat, Miami had a lot of offensive rebounds, which turned into a lot of open three-pointers. And that is something you can't do against the Heat. You can't let them out-rebound you. You have to box out on the defensive end and get the rebound. If you want, if you want to contain their shooters. So Brian, what is your prediction for the series? Who do you have winning it? How many games? What are you looking for? I'm going to conservatively say Celtics in seven. I think that if Gordon Hayward comes back and is in rhythm and is Gordon Hayward, we have seen throughout this season, Celtics can win it in six, but I'm going to say Celtics in seven. I think Celtics win this series, but I know Miami is going to put up a fight. And I I've been saying this for a while that there is going to be at least one game where Miami just blows us out because the Celtics have a tendency to turn the ball over too many times and they have a tendency to allow the opponents to get too many offensive rebounds. And if you do those two things against Miami Heat, you're going to get blown out. But I still have the Celtics winning this series. I think they have, they have more talent than the Heat. I think they have a better coach, even though Eric Spolster is a really good coach. And I think they have the defensive edge by a lot. So I got the Celtics in seven. What do you got? I have Celtics in six. One less game than you. Uh, we were different in that in the Toronto series. You had the Celtics in six. I had them in seven. A little bit opposite. I think they're going to wrap this one uh, up one game earlier. Yeah, people forget how good of a coach Spolster is. He's a two-time champion. A lot of people will be like, oh, they had LeBron. No, he's a, he's a damn good coach. They're constantly uh, fighting for pl uh, playoff contention. He wins series time and time again. He gets the most out of his guys. Who the, who the heck knew who Kendrick Nunn was before the season? Uh, Spolster gets the most out of his guys. I actually disagree a bit with your uh, take about the Celtics potentially getting blown out in the game. I think every single game is going to remain close. I, could, I don't see a game getting won by more than 10 points by either team. Um, I understand that if the Celtics get themselves in the turnover troubles, that's very possible. But I just look and I, I see every game finishing within a 10-point uh, deficit for the winner. Yeah, I definitely hope you're right about that. I hope every game is close. 
But I've been saying since even the Philadelphia series, the Celtics have had multiple games where they've had over 20 turnovers. And I kept saying, there's going to be a team that's going to make us pay for that, that some team is going to make us pay. And I think Miami is that team. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Miami doesn't blow us out. But I'm just I'm waiting on that game that the turnovers cost us a game. The Celtics only had 10 turnovers in Game 7. And I think that's a big reason for why they won Game 7 against the Raptors because if they had their normal 17 19, 21 turnovers, they would have lost that game. So I, I think that this, Celtics did a better job then, and I hope they can, can continue that. But, it, but it's definitely something to watch, definitely a kind of a kryptonite for the Celtics team. they got to get the rebounds, and they got to limit their turnovers. They also have to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah, Celtics did a great job at staying out of foul trouble during the Toronto series. I hope they can do the same against Miami. If we get into foul trouble against Miami, there is no coming back from that. Uh, same thing as the turnovers. we got to limit those. Yeah, for sure, and we'll see how this series goes. We'll see if the big minutes at the end of the Toronto series comes back and haunts us in Game 1, see if we come out tired. Hopefully we don't. We'll be back after the game tomorrow, hopefully with a Celtics Game 1 win.